Doubt is eliminated through action, but it's the type of action that is important. Hi, this is Mark Devine. Welcome back to the Unbeatable Mind Podcast. Thanks so much for joining me today. Super stoked to have you here. Today, I've got a solo cast. Now, it occurred to me um, over the last couple months, I've had a little time on my hand with this COVID-19 lockdown. And so we decided to um, take another look at my Unbeatable Mind book, which was first published in 2011 as a complement to the Unbeatable Mind online training program. Then I did an update and another one. So what's been available since 14 has been the third edition. What's cool about um, writing a self-published book is that you can toy with it. And of course, I'm a tinkerer and I love tinkering with it. So I decided to take it on off the shelf and, and see what came up. And it's turning out to be a pretty comprehensive overhaul to the point where it'll be a new book. I'll keep the third edition up, but fourth edition is going to go way deeper. At any rate, then it occurred to me that I've never actually done a podcast on that particular piece of work. I've done podcasts, solo casts on um, a lot of the chapters for The Way of the Seal, and then I recently did all of my newest book, Staring at the Wolf. So I thought it'd be kind of interesting to do some readings from the updated, new and improved pandemic edition of Unbeatable Mind, Self-Mastery and Service. So, and if you you're hearing this for the first time and you don't know anything about it, you're going to get the full skinny on what Unbeal Mind is by listening to these podcasts. It'll take several months to get through all the chapters, maybe even six months or longer. And I hope to have this book published on the street through Amazon or other sources um, mm, third quarter of this year. Okay. So um, if it inspires you, you can also go to unbeatablemind.com to learn about the training where it all started. So with no further ado, here we go. Unbeatable Mind by Mark Devine. The body is the feeler of emotions and sensations. The mind is the thinker of thoughts. The witness is the observer of all. Shane Phelps, Temple of the Full Autumn Moon, Ninjutsu. Introduction, Becoming Unbeatable. When a man is beaten, tormented, and defeated, he is ready to learn something. Emerson. Over many years, I've seen the same remarkable situation again and again in the thousands who I have coached and trained to tap more potential and to perform at their peaks. These individuals were accomplished by society's standards with very successful careers and ample financial and other positive measures in their professional and personal lives. But it was apparent that regardless of all those outward signs of success, they were stuck in medium gear and unfulfilled. They felt incomplete and aware that they had missed something important. But what that missing element could be was hidden from their view. With the training in this book, they found the keys and these amazing people were able to break free of the ingrained patterns that had locked them in a suboptimal performance and discontentment. For most, this never happens, and they accept the life of quiet desperation or fall into apathy by just getting by or playing the victim. Sometimes an existential threat like overcoming cancer will shatter their stuck habits and thinking to free them from this existential rut. But I'm excited that you do not want to rely on an accident or fate to drive your own personal transformation. 
You've decided to take the bull by the horns to tap your limitless potential. You've chosen to be uncommon and to make more of a difference in the world right now. However you came to this book or this podcast, whether referred to by a parent, a friend, a peer, or just stumbling upon this podcast, what you are about to read or listen to is a very unique set of principles and practices that will allow you to solve once and for all the frustrating puzzle of your character's development. You will learn to unlock vast potential, tap flow on demand for peak performance, connect to your family and teams at a deeply authentic level, and serve the world in a unique way aligned with your calling. Congratulations. Welcome to your journey to become unbeatable. When I first self-published this book in 2001, it was meant to be a manual for the online training course that had launched with the same name. The concepts and tools came out of, or more likely came through, my work with aspiring Navy SEAL candidates during month-long intensive SEAL Fit training academies. These immersive academies were singularly unique in their ability to transform the students. The experience was somewhat akin to an American Shaolin monastery, where individuals would live and train together from dawn to dusk to become elite warriors, leaders, and teammates. The curriculum was developed through much trial and error, yielding a cornucopia of new training tools and models. These include the world-renowned SEALFIT Kokoro program, the SEALFIT operator workouts used by thousands of military first responders and elite athletes, a New York Times bestselling book titled Eight Weeks to SEALFIT, the integrated movement practice and book Kokoro Yoga, and this very unbeatable mind book, the training program and coach certification. To say that that was an insanely creative period in my life is an understatement, yet I do not take the credit. I have learned that when you operate from an unbeatable mind, you are able to spontaneously channel genius-level creativity effortlessly. So I give credit to the universal intelligence, source, the spirit that runs through all things, or God, if you will. That genius and potential is all of our birthright. The hard part is to know how to tap into it to develop what I call an unbeatable mind. The second hard part is to actually do the work. But if you do do the work introduced in this book, you too will achieve an unbeatable mind. Since that auspicious beginning, I have felt a calling to serve beyond the elite warriors by sharing these teachings to uplift all of human consciousness. So I and my team at Unbeatable LLC have committed to an audacious goal to train and inspire 100 million people to master themselves and become world-centric servants and leaders by 2045. To reach this many people, I have had to up my game with media, with the award-winning podcasts you're listening to, uh, updating this book, and committing to developing more nuanced content around the methods and philosophy. I'm also certifying coaches to bring the teaching to their communities. The world has changed rapidly since those early SEALFIT Academy days. Politics have become ridiculously polarized and gridlocked. China has risen to challenge Western ideas. Globalization has given way to localism and nationalism. SpaceX launched astronauts on a civilian rocket ship. U.S. military launched a space force. COVID-19 and racial unrest shocked the world, obliterating trust in government and the media, and challenging long-held notions of freedom, democracy, and capitalism. Economic theory has devolved into chaos theory, debt and digital currencies chip away at the hegemony of the U.S. dollar, while vast inequality still bedevils 
the global population. Though I believe in the inevitable systemic breakdown of industrialized structures, this will open up a prosperous future, one leveraging advanced artificial intelligence, blockchain, virtual reality, fusion, and other incredible technologies. But relying only on the hard technologies with old ways of thinking and learning will just to lead to more suffering and destruction. That's why we must simultaneously move to embrace the inner domain technologies of unbeatable mind. With a collective unbeatable mind, we can positively influence culture toward a bold new future that is more resilient, decentralized, and autonomous. We will become world-centric teams and leaders, worthy citizens of this spinning rock called Earth. A central theme of this book is that you are capable of far more than you think you are. More accomplishments, more productivity, more success, and most importantly, more peace of mind. However, you've been kept from accessing your vast potential because the training to do so has been suppressed or lost. I call that potential your 20x factor in that you're capable of accelerating your growth and achievement by 20 times your current paradigm allows. We cannot ignore this untapped potential any longer. The world needs it now to overcome the negativity and violence and to end the destruction of the environment and take control of our lives back. Not only do we deserve that for our own success and happiness, but we need 20x energy and creativity to confront those complex and deeply rutted challenges. Unbeatable Mind isn't just another vanilla personal development book or program, nor an exploration of the perils we face in the future if we don't change and transform. My drive is to help you open a channel to that vast potential lying dormant inside of you so that you can then lead others to the same path. And then together, we can all send waves of positive energy throughout the world. Foundation of silence. But let me back up and give you an idea of where I came from and how I got here. In my early childhood, I learned to find solace in the peace and stillness of nature. Growing up in the mountains and valleys of the Adirondacks in upstate New York, which covers 95% of real estate in New York, all I had to do was step out the door to find it. My father's love for hiking the trails, the endless chores, and my mother's athleticism kept me from loitering around inside too much. And since we didn't have the digital distractions of today, I read everything I could get my paws around. Twice a week during the summer, I'd find myself navigating the Adirondack peaks, often running the trails or playing tag as I bounded down them with a friend, crashing over the rocks and spinning through the brush. I cherished those expeditions. They struck me with a sense of awe with the natural beauty, and it was exciting to test the limits of my body and mind. There was always something new to see and learn around the next bend in the trail. More importantly, I became comfortable with that silence that I found deep in nature. I had no idea at the time that this would prove to become a bedrock theme in my life. Nature never argued with me. As long as I respected her, made no significant demands, often I would just sit in absorption after reaching a peak and not thinking or striving for anything in particular. I would just sit there and allow the peace to settle in. On the home front, things were loud, angry, and confusing as my parents fought routinely. For reasons I didn't understand at the time, I was shut down and unsettled, locked in a prison constructed of my own conflicting emotions. As a teen, I craved the connection that I felt so keenly when alone in nature, but I had no luck finding it in my relationships. 
However, nature provided a true friend that I could turn to for solitude in the midst of the chaos. It helped me develop the internal skill of silence later in life as I prepared for a future as an elite warrior. In high school, I made lettering in sports a pastime, drawn to the simplicity and psychological challenge of endurance athletics. Endless laps in the pool and running track were predominantly mental endeavors. Through these sports, I learned the importance of proper breathing and the basics of managing my mind to focus on a singular task. My high school swim times earned me a slot on the Colgate University team, and there I went in 1981 for a four-year educational adventure. After some gyrations, I settled on a major in economics, thinking it would benefit me when I landed back at Divine Brothers, Inc., the legacy family manufacturing business started in 1898. Socially, my world burst wide open as I began a love affair with beer and women prioritized in that order, it's fair to mention. After a freshman year of unhinged craziness, I knew I needed to settle down and anchor myself or I'd drown in mediocrity. I recommitted to the things that I knew would keep me focused and clear-headed, nature and sports. The discipline of the daily training made me less prone to participate in a nonstop party. I do admit those were great times, and I have some amazing friends from that era. However, I was definitely clueless as to what I wanted to be or do when I, quote, grew up and entered the real world. My default plan was to return to be part of the family business. And as to the measure of when I was grown up, I was running out of room by even the most liberal of definitions. As my senior year ground to a close, I found myself with a unique job offer from a big eight accounting and consulting firm in Manhattan. The firm was Coopers and Libran, now Coopers. Though my grades paled compared to my peers, the firm felt that I was a sound investment. They also sent me, pending my acceptance, to the NYU Stern School of Business for a master's degree in accounting. It was a work-study program where I'd work as an auditor for two years, during which time I would get a master's degree at night. Then I would hopefully sail through the CPA exam, fully qualify for the occupation, and march on up the ranks. Getting a master's, a CPA, and a job with a top consulting firm seemed like a better plan than heading home to Divine Brothers. So I went for it. Thus, within five weeks of graduating from Colgate, I find myself back in NYU on academic probation. For a few months, the challenge of work and the master's program proved motivating. But it wasn't long before I dreaded the monotony of this, quote, real world. Was this what I was going to do for the rest of my life? I was slowly dying inside as the student loans piled up, my enthusiasm waned, and options for escape appeared to dwindle. I began to internally question whether I'd made a serious mistake. Walking home from the subway one evening, I was snapped out of these dire thoughts when I heard spirited shouts exploding from a second floor window. Looking up, I noted a flag claiming, World Headquarters, Sato Karate. Hmm. Sound like they were whipping up a storm up there, I thought. I couldn't resist, so I climbed the stairs and met the man who had become my first true mentor, who held the key to unlock the first level of my own unbeatable mind. Kaicho or Grand Master Tadashi Nakamura founded Sato Karate in the 70s. He was brought to the United States by a Mr. Masayama, the founder of Kyokoshin Kai Karate. Now, Nakamura's job was to head up that traditions training in this country, which was gaining in popularity and spreading quickly. After a few years, Nakamura became disenchanted with the aggressive tournament nature of that style. 
He desired to teach karate in combination with Zen meditation to a broader base of students. And he believed that the inner development of the warrior must parallel the outer development, or the martial art would be one-dimensional. He saw karate more as a developmental path than a tournament sport. Self-mastery was equally as important as any fighting prowess. The strategies, tactics, techniques, and physical conditions were the methods for training the body, while meditation, contemplation, and silence were the methods for training the inner warrior. Incidentally, most martial arts have lost that subtle internal aspect of training, aiming instead at physical prowess and MMA-style competition. Kaicho Nakamura's mentorship catalyzed a radical paradigm shift in my own consciousness. Training under his watchful eye was a watershed moment in my life. Zen training changed me forever, forming the mental foundation for what was to come. I received my first degree black belt in November of 1989. I also received my CPA and MBA certificates that same month. But the most significant thing that happened was that I hopped on a train to Newport, Rhode Island to begin a second career as an officer in the U.S. Navy SEALs. The mentorship I had received under Nakamura's guidance had opened my vision to new avenues and possibilities, and I charged ahead toward the most adventurous of them. I had become enchanted with the SEALs' siren call, be someone special. I took the bait, never looked back. Teams and shit. It was late November when I disembarked in Newport, Rhode Island, leaving behind the suit, the corporate world, and sadly, Mr. Nakamura's mentorship. Officer Candidate School was four months of saying yes, sir, and marching from one class to another in formation. I gutted through it, no problem. Now, it's an understatement to say that things would heat up. In March of 1990, now in Coronado, California, I checked into Basic Underwater Demolition SEAL School, or BUDS, to class up with class number 171. It was a Friday, and I was informed that my new training team wouldn't start for another 10 weeks. That was a lifetime for someone ready to go now. Then I learned that class 170 was ramping up that Monday, and I determined to get started right away. So I went searching for someone who could make it happen. That search led me onto the deck of the combat training tank, which is seal speak for swimming pool, facing the 184 panic-stricken students of Class 170. They were being lorded over by a Lieutenant Rick May, perched high on the dive platform. The entire class went silent when this newly minted officer, that would be me, entered their sanctum. What can we do for you, Enzyme, was May's response to my interruption. Sir, I shouted so he could hear me, up on his platform. I have orders to 171, but I would like to class up with 170. I said with as much confidence as I could muster. Okay, that's not normal. Prove to me that you're ready. Time to put up or shut up. Swim 50 meters underwater in your boots and utes. Those are my utility pants, he said. Okay, I thought, this is gonna be interesting, but it's right up my alley. The Sea of Canada's parted evaluating my sanity for this brazen stunt. I stood at the pool's edge, took a few deep breaths, tapped my zen mind, and jumped in, boots and all. Pulled against the water, my boots dragging me down soon, though I made it to the other side, turning and kicking against the wall with all my might. Gliding halfway, the urge for air triggered a brief panic. I cleared the thought of quitting from my head and pulled like hell. Gassed, I dragged myself onto the deck and stood to await sentencing. Come see me Monday morning, May said. Then he turned back to hammer the class. 
On Monday, I classed up with 170. May and the other SEAL instructors were a different breed of men than I'd ever been exposed to. Their confidence was not born of cockiness, the view from their skyscraper office, or the size of their paycheck, but of extreme competence and a been there, done that air of untouchability. Legend had it that Lieutenant May had fractured his leg on the third day of his Hell Week training in Buds, yet he wasn't going to let an annoying little detail like that sideline him. So he continued to run on it until he passed out from the pain after securing from training on day six. The daunting SEAL instructors were my mentors for the next nine months. They never messed around or wasted time. Every action and word served a purpose, to train a strength or identify a weakness in the candidate. They were selecting their next group of teammates, and they took that job very seriously. Training went from zero to 100 miles an hour each day, and the pace didn't throttle back at all for the duration of training. The standards kept getting harder and faster, while the quitting line got longer. Those who had spent years cultivating physical durability and mental toughness were ready. Those who had not, were not. And most would not survive the constant abuse and discomfort. Of the 184 hard chargers who watched my stun at the pool that day, only 18 others would graduate. And I was the honor man, the number one graduate of the class. The Audrey's Budge training has been exposed by many SEAL authors and Hollywood movies, so I won't rehash many details in this book but I will sprinkle in a few stories to back up a principle here and there. And before I go on, for you ladies reading this, I want you to know that this book is every bit as much for you as it is for the guys. Though the SEALs and the martial arts are dominated by rough and tumble men, I have trained alongside many women in the military, the martial arts, and in several disciplines of yoga, and every one of them was as physically capable or more so than their male counterparts. The principles on unbeatable mind are not about being hardcore, but rather about how to perform at your peak in any domain, whether you're a mom, dad, SEAL, student, or CPA. After Bud's training, I was assigned to SEAL Team 3 in Coronado, California. There, I was an assistant platoon commander of Alpha Platoon, working with a talented Lieutenant Washabaugh, or Wash. Wash was an excellent officer, and we chained the team hard for 12 months. Toward the end of the training cycle, the platoon was tasked to fight in the first Iraqi war, Operation Desert Storm. As we headed out the door for war, it suddenly ended. That was good, though we were bummed to miss out on the action. Instead, we deployed to Asia to conduct special reconnaissance and a mission confusingly called Foreign Internal Defense. FID had us train foreign forces for their own defense as well as to collaborate with their patron superpower, Uncle Sam. That deployment was an all-expense-paid tour of the Pacific Rim. It was about improving bilateral relations and a show of support to our allies with a little intelligence gathering and beer drinking thrown in. Well, maybe a lot of those last two. I really enjoyed those missions. They had their share of danger, though it paled in comparison to the hardcore direct action seen by the SEALs since 01. Most of all, I loved working with Alpha Platoon and SEAL Team 3, and I served there for five years. The work was fast-paced, extremely challenging, and rewarding. Some of the stories that came out of that period are outrageously funny and mind-blowing. We chalked all those experiences up to what we call teams and shit. Most SEALs who stick around for more than a single tour have a sea bag full of stories to tell due to the nature of the crazy missions we brazenly took on. In 1995, I was assigned to SEAL Delivery Vehicle Team 1 in Hawaii. I checked into the SDV team and was immediately tasked to a mission in Korea. At this point in my career, I felt pulled on opposite directions. Learning to drive the mini-subs was less challenging than navigating my marriage, which occurred just before leaving for Hawaii. 
Sandy was not happy that I was going to be gone so much, and I didn't look forward to being away for 11 months out of the year anymore. We had discussed the challenge that this would present, but neither of us was quite prepared for the emotional turmoil that ensued. Many SEALs deal by treating their marriage like a business arrangement. They were okay being separated for long periods. I, on the other hand, didn't like it one bit and was concerned the marriage would not survive the uncertainty. In retrospect, since I had a, such a difficult time connecting when I was younger, when I finally found a connection to a woman, I didn't want to blow it. Therefore, I made the difficult decision to leave the active duty Navy and transfer to the reserves. Part-time SEAL, full-time entrepreneur. The reserve left me with more free time than I had in my life since college. So I diverted my energy into an exciting new project. April of 96, I paired up with my brother-in-law to launch the Coronado Brewing Company, or CBC. It was only the fourth brewery to open in San Diego early in the microbrewery trend. While busy building CBC, I also served at Reserve SEAL Team 3 in various leadership roles. I was also called up for one-year active duty stints twice, one time to the Middle East and Africa, and the other to combat in Iraq. I was also serving as an adjunct professor of leadership at the University of San Diego. I was busy and focused, but as in my first business career in New York City, something seemed missing. Reflecting on that feeling, I could see that I was happiest and most successful when actively engaged in daily hardcore training with a team, like I had with Nakamura and the SEALs. With such a heavy focus on building a business in those entrepreneurial years, I'd set aside that training that had previously given me so much confidence and clarity. Sure, I'd work out several times a week, but not daily, nor were the focus on both the inner and the outer skills. Also, I didn't have a team to train with, which makes a big difference for connection and accountability. Life seemed to be all about just getting tasks done to grow the business. And in paying scant attention to my physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual development, I was facing the unseemly prospect of a long, slow slide into mediocrity, which had demotivated me so much in my 20s. I decided to find a way to train like I had earlier, but this time on my own terms. Yoga Jitsu. In 1999, my quest landed me in a ninjutsu training school like the fabled ninja of Japanese legends. I also found a yoga program called Ashtanga that focused on the physical, mental, and spiritual aspects of development. Through the ninjutsu training, I was able to tap into the physicality and raw warrior spirit of the martial arts again. It, it was liberating, but it was, it was the study of the eight limbs of Patanjali's Yoga Sutras where I finally got a glimpse of how to develop my whole mind. This training picked up where I had left off with Zen and Karate. It firmly planted a daily integrative and meditative practice back into my life. This newfound regimen reinforced in me the importance of disciplined daily training. I found that consistent daily practice merged my experience of body, mind, and spirit. That experience of integration brought clarity and peace of mind. I also noticed that it began to bring out untapped potential. And that, as we said in the teams, was a no-brainer. I expanded my reg training regimen by adding the high-intensity functional fitness of CrossFit to the ninjutsu and yoga. I found each to be individually rewarding, but alone they did not meet the developmental aspirations that I felt possible. And juggling $350 monthly memberships and schedules was a pain. Frustrated, I began to work the most effective tools from each into a single training model. My personal results from this new integrated training regimen were stunning. So when the Navy hired me to launch a nationwide mentoring program for the SEALs, I thought it would bring this training to the SEAL community. 
Ultimately, this became the aforementioned SealFit Academy. The training was so effective and motivating that SealFit was soon known worldwide for its unique warrior development results. Our SEAL trainings, trainees were succeeding at BUDS at a 90% success rate, and I was fast becoming a recognized mental toughness expert. Unbeatable Mind was born. The Roadmap Since leaving active duty in 1996, I've watched how business and life have become so much faster, more complex, and aggressive. As mentioned in this introduction, the old rules have been shattered by forces that have flattened the world and increased the speed of time. Entire cultures that were once isolated are now connected via mobile devices, and values are experiencing unprecedented rates of collision with differing viewpoints and ideas. The business landscape now has a look and feel of enemy territory on a clandestine SEAL mission. We must tap into innovative developmental methods that will unlock new ways of thinking to deal effectively with this stark reality. Einstein said that you can't solve a problem from within the same paradigm that the problem originated. With Unbeatable Mind, we now have a new model of personal development and enrichment that will enable your growth to the highest stages of consciousness. And I'll discuss these stages or plateaus in the last chapter. This is achieved by the methodical training to integrate five key lines of human development, which I call the five mountains. These are your physical, mental, emotional, intuitional, and your Kokoro spirit. Kokoro means merging heart and mind in your actions or acting from whole mind. The training of Unbeal Mind allows you to identify and avoid damaging psychological loops and traps, develop new patterns of thinking that are positive and unbiased, and work from an I-we-it world-centric perspective rather than a narrow I-ego perspective. When we can accomplish these things together, even on a small scale, not only will we forge our individual body, mind, spirits, but we will protect and better our children's future. Ultimately, Unbeatable Mind is about mastering your personal power fully so that you can be more uh, successful in your job, career, and life. Then you'll use your Unbeatable Mind to lead your tribes and organizations to positively impact the world at large. This is self-mastery with the intention of meaningful service. Sounds good, right? And if you're on board with this vision, then we'll get busy forging your own unbeatable mind. Here's the roadmap of the book. Section one is to know your why. The first step in forging your unbeatable mind is to uncover your true why. That's the reason that you're on this planet or unique calling, your unique calling and mission. To do this, you need to learn to win in your mind and forge serious mental toughness. Then you can concentrate on this important work with the concentration power of a warrior. The undisciplined mind can unravel your energy and wreak havoc with your plans and aspirations. Meditation masters call the untrained mental state of unfocused distraction the monkey mind. Speaking from experience, this monkey mind is your enemy. Disciplining the mind, on the other hand, will transform it into a calm, clear, and steady ally, ready to dominate any task or mission. Once you train the capability to radically focus, then you'll examine the quality and content in your mind to forge mental toughness and clarify what I call your three P's, passion, purpose, and principles. If you're like me, you'll come to the stinging realization that many of the stories and beliefs you bought into are simply laughable and not serving you any longer. You'll also begin to notice how easily you are influenced by negative people and thoughts of fear, destructive feelings, and counterproductive distractions. 
Negativity derails performance, so it's imperative that you're able to control your focus and shift away from those influences. Rooting out negative emotions, beliefs, and behaviors that hold you back can take considerable time and effort. Many people fall off the path in this first step of training because it is hard work. Don't fall for mental laziness. Developing mental toughness, emotional control, and knowing your why is essential before you move on to the work of section two. But any progress in this step will lead to a positive shift in awareness and demonstrable growth. But what exactly are you supposed to be focusing on day to day? SEALs don't take on 25 missions at a time, and they have a few missions that they train for, but only one will be central to their focus at any time. They ensure excellence through preparation, but only take on the one mission, which is critical now. So in addition, the unbeatable mind leader puts as much effort into the daily training of self-mastery as she does the task associated with serving. So I'll show you how to make sure you're focusing your efforts on the right things at the right time and how to maintain that focus positively until mission accomplishment in the next section. Section two of the book, Develop Warrior Disciplines. This second step is where it becomes clear that Unbeatable Mind isn't a simple mental toughness toolkit, nor just another motivational book. It's a robust philosophy for living a good life. That philosophy is grounded in the disciplines of a warrior, with training that can be found through our powerful events, online curriculum, and performance coaching. And this book provides the foundation for you to create your own training program to develop those warrior disciplines. Whether you're seeking to elevate your consciousness or just become physically stronger, it will require serious commitment and a disciplined daily effort. Consistency of effort using effective methods drives transformation. The objective in this second step of the book, or the second section, is to cultivate self-mastery by training and integrating your five mountains of physical, mental, emotional, intuitional, and Kokoro spirit. You'll elevate the importance of the five mountains development plan to the same status as eating or sleeping. This is absolutely critical in order to serve effectively and from the heart. The warrior doesn't master him or herself just for the fun of it. It is to serve others powerfully. And the unbeatable mind leader doesn't serve from the past or future, but is as present as possible to allow the natural positive qualities such as compassion, abundance, and generosity to flourish. He or she will endeavor to align with purpose every day making each decision count. When you embody the virtues of self-mastery and service like this, you'll see monumental rewards. It makes it easy to seek excellence every day in your life, which is the goal of section three of the book. Section three, cultivate excellence with daily practice. By now, mediocrity is unacceptable and unsettling to the unbeatable mind student. An elite warrior doesn't do common. The third step of a training requires that you habituate virtuosity in formerly common tasks, from the mundane to the crucial. Training starts with developing deep awareness of your three spheres and your background of obviousness biases. That way you can obliterate bias and weak thinking while navigating the I, we, and it of your unfolding world gracefully. Then training continues by earning the character to lead others even more authentically and effectively. If you're spending 60 minutes in a workout, Can you squeeze more developmental benefit out of that time and serve others by training together? If you're giving a speech, what enhanced technique, approach, or preparation can you use to connect with and impact more people and in a more powerful way? The warrior asks how he or she can build the virtues of trustworthiness, 
humility, and determination to lead with deep character. These are the skills of excellence. Excellence becomes both an ideal and a breath and blood habit. But underneath it all, it comes down to moment-to-moment choice. That key is to slow down enough to pay attention to the details and then write a new script for your life. You will learn to do things a little bit differently and to be a little bit more special. Which leads us to section four, which is to unlock whole mind. By the time you've reached the work of section four, you'll bring all of the new skills into your work with others. Unbeatable Mind trainees know they can't make major change happen in the world or in their lives alone. So this is where we start to look more specifically at how to step up as the authentic leader that your team will follow with faith and confidence. And you will learn from your team as well. But first, you must prove yourself worthy of leadership. In the SEALs, the Trident is a gold emblem awarded at the completion of the arduous training program that only the very best of each class complete. It symbolizes an enormous rite of passage to that special team, bearing a strong sense of duty, professionalism, and service. You likely have symbolic tridents in your life, and it's key to remember that the trident is earned, but it can also be taken away. A seal learns that his actions determine whether he gets to keep his trident. It has to be earned anew each and every day. How does this translate for you? It means that you can no longer rely on the successes achieved yesterday. Yesterday's gone. It's over. Tomorrow is hopefully going to come, but there are no absolute guarantees. So guess what? It's all about today. Today's where you need to target your thoughts and energy. Today's where there's respect to earn, training to accomplish, money to make, things to do. You've got to show up and put in 100% today to go from zero to 100 miles an hour and prove to your team that you're there for them, that you can be relied upon. Earning your trident means that your focus stays on your role as part of the team, on how you can serve your team and how you can lead yourself and your team to success. If they see your focus slip to what's best for you instead, Their trust in you will erode, and you'll not only find yourself out of a leadership role, but maybe even off the team entirely. Which brings us to section five, build and lead unbeatable teams. Now, Unbeatable Mind is a personal growth program oriented toward team and organizational success, and not just about your personal success. How you grow as an individual is only relevant if you can build a team together and do worthy things in the world. That's the point. So discovering what you want to accomplish and how you're going to do it is key. To operate at an elite level, you will need to recruit, train, and motivate a kick-ass team. And in this final step of the process, you'll learn the importance of working with like-minded teammates to align with your vision to help you win your missions every time. Besides the fact that you can only achieve great things with an unbeatable team supporting you, there's a lesser-known but equally important secret to success that I'll explore in this final step. The team is the ultimate crucible for your mastery of all five steps that enable the peak capacity of operating on the fifth plateau of consciousness. It is together that you will achieve this elite brand of integration and virtuosity. Let me close here by saying that you're not alone on this new journey. There are many following Unbeatable Mind Way, including athletes, entrepreneurs, executives, moms, dads, teens, martial artists, yoga practitioners, spiritual seekers, and more. This book and training offers the basic philosophy and the tools that will allow you to win in your mind, forge grit, develop an offensive attitude, and it will help you to train yourself and your team for peak performance, and more importantly, to lead with your heart and mind merged in action. But consider also joining the UnbeatableMind.com community for support and to join a boat crew. And I encourage you to enjoy the journey rather than focus on any particular destination, such as a notion of self-mastery. For every mountain you climb and plateau you rest at, there will be another 
and more interesting view ahead. Hoo-yah. Awesome. So thank you. That's the introduction to the Unbeatable Mind book that's being currently edited, updated for 2020 and beyond. Hope you enjoyed it. That was the framework, and we'll dig into the first section of Uncover Your Why next time. See you then. Hoo-yah. Divine out.